Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 853 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, I'll be speaking with Amanda. She has type 1 diabetes, and uh, a number of things have happened to Amanda throughout her life that are going to be difficult to listen to. Um, I just want you to be aware of that up front. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you are uh, type 1 or have... Uh, see, now I'm all thrown off by this. Uh, if you have type 1 diabetes and are a U.S. resident or are the caregiver of someone with type 1, please consider going to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox so you can take the survey. When you complete the survey, you're supporting type 1 diabetes research. You can do it from your home. It is very simple. We'll take fewer probably than 10 minutes, about what it took me. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Again, I'm, I don't want to sensationalize this, but... You know, be ready. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. To see an organization helping others with type 1 diabetes, all you have to do is go to touchedbytype1.org and find them on Facebook and Instagram. Touched by Type 1. Today's podcast is also sponsored by U.S. Med. Now, U.S. Med is where Arden gets her diabetes supplies from, and you can too. Just go to usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514 to get your free benefits check. Hey, and do you know what U.S. Med just got? The Dexcom G7. That's right. You can get the Dexcom G7, G6, the Freestyle Libre 2, and 3 systems all at U.S. Med. All of that and a lot more at usmed.com forward slash juicebox. My name is Amanda, and I am 27 years old, and I've had type 1 diabetes for almost 17 years. Wow, since you were 10. Were you 10? Yep, I was 10. 10 for 17 years, you're 27, type 1. Any other stuff? Did you get a, a fun celiac thing or anything like that? Wow. Uh, I have Hashimoto's. There you go. So you got a, a bonus thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to just, I mean, what if you just, just You can't had, just have one. Yeah. What if you just had diabetes? <laughs> How boring would that be? Um, exactly. Hashimoto's was diagnosed when? Uh, I think I was around 14. Okay. Took a couple of years. How about other people in your immediate family? Mom, dad, sisters, brothers, do they have anything autoimmune? Um, I have a first cousin on my dad's side that has type 1. Mm -hmm. And then my mom and grandma, I have a whole bunch of people in my family that have uh, Hashimoto's. But on your, interesting, isn't it? On your mother's side, the Hashimoto's on your dad, or or vice versa. One side Hashimoto's, one side type 1. On my mom's side is the Hashimoto's and dad is thyroid. diabetes. Do you think people with autoimmune diseases put off a beacon that attracts other people during dating? <laughs> I mean, that seriously. Would be something. Well, how often do you listen to the podcast and somebody's like, yeah, I have type one, but my husband's family has, and you're like, really? Like, you know how many people you, you know, you don't, 
maybe it doesn't seem like that if you listen to the podcast, you have type one, but not everyone has autoimmune diseases. <laughs> so right. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, but it's interesting how many times that kind of pairs up like that. Do you have I children? Have, I have one. Does that kid have anything? Yeah. No, she is uh, only 14 months old. So nothing oh, so far. Amanda, you made a baby. That's lovely. I did. Thank you. Oh, She's adorable. Congratulations. That's wonderful. 14 months. Yes. Oh, you're you're yeah. maybe are you coming out of the other side of the exhaustion and the craziness? I thought I was and then she uh just got worse. <laughs> How did she get worse? Oh, she's just been uh waking up in the middle of the night and just not uh not wanting to cooperate when it comes to sleep right now. Don't so. worry. You'll get her nice and settled then she'll have a, a tooth come and then that'll start. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering if that's what's going on, but uh, who knows, you know? It's yeah. like, are they sick? Are they teething? What's going on? Pro, pro tip, sometimes the cutting of the teeth comes with diarrhea, like, as a speaking of bonuses. Oh, <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> a little extra. <laughs> uh, you're married, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, how long? It'll be four years in June. Okay, well, all right then. I think we understand who you are, generally speaking. Let's find out who you are in a more detailed way. Um, <laughs> so I guess I want to know first about being diagnosed at 10, because that seems like an um, interesting age. Yeah, um, that was definitely a shocker for me. Um, but I was just sick for a long, long time. Uh, I think maybe I had a stomach virus and it just kind of never went away. My mom was actually an RN in the ER at the time. And it had went on for so long that she took me in and uh, we went to the doctor's lounge and she got one of her doctor friends to come back. And he took one look at me and smelled my breath and said, Cindy, she has type one diabetes. Um, so it was very, very shocking. Do you think he builds your insurance $5,000 to smell your breath? <laughs> Probably. <Yeah. laughs> we performed significant testing on the kid. Definitely has diabetes. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, um, do you remember much? Uh, you know, I know why you're on the show. So everything I want to ask you seems like it should be prefaced. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. why don't you tell people wh what made you want to come on the podcast? Well, I saw in the Facebook group that you had posted about, um, getting more after dark episodes. And so I reached out because I grew up in my teenage years in foster care and group homes. Okay. And I just thought that would be beneficial to people to understand what that was like. Okay. Can we find out first how you, how you got there? Oh yeah, okay. for sure. So if you're 10 when you're diagnosed and it sounds like your mother's a nurse, you, were you talking about your birth mom or a foster care mom? Yeah, no, um, that was my, my, my real mom. Okay. And, uh, everything, well, I hate to say everything, but all the reasons that I was in the group home was stemmed for my diabetes. Really? Because, Amanda, yes. let me tell you, have you ever watched Shameless? Oh, yes. Okay. Love it. So I'm like four seasons into Shameless. So while you're talking, I was like, well, this is definitely about meth and alcoholism. And the parents <laughs> were probably pimping her out. This is going to be a terrible episode. <laughs> and then you're like, well, this is about my diabetes, really. So, I'm like, so how? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, there's other things that, that well, you know, I can get into that go into it. Um, but one, the biggest reason was because of my diabetes. Okay. All right, so I, I mean, if you grew up for years and years and years in 
in a, a classic family structure, was there, I mean, if you look back on your life, were there anything, if I, oh, how do I want to put this? I don't know. If you, if the first 10 years of your life were a TV show, would I notice anything that would make me think, oh, one day this kid's going to be in foster care? Um, Definitely. I definitely not a TV show of <laughs> my first 10 years. Um, I, my mom and dad got divorced when I was three, I think. And that was really rough. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was using drugs a lot and, uh, it was just a really rough time and he was never super consistent with like seeing me, mm-hmm. but, uh, from the ages of six to nine, I was abused by my babysitter's husband. Oh my God. And no one ever knew. Um, no one ever knew for a long, long time. So that went on for from six to nine. And then we moved because my mom had gotten remarried. And then once we moved, that's whenever I was diagnosed with type one. Um, my assumption, and I'm not asking you to give me details, but they weren't hitting you. There was sexual abuse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From six to nine. So your mom was in a situation where she had to leave you with somebody to go to work. She chose somebody. Yes. And it was actually someone from a church. Um, it was uh, a woman from church, and then it was uh, her husband. So. Wow. Well, you know, all the people who aren't religious who heard that were just right now in their cars. They get, this is what yeah. they, they did a minute. They went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I know it. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. That's why I don't go. the right now i I didn't want to like throw that in there but i mean my mom obviously like thought that they were good people sure no 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 i yeah i understand um i i just i don't know in the middle of such a sad story i imagined everyone listening just going see redemption i told you i was doing the right thing (laughs) these church people um anyway not to say that of course everyone who goes to church would do something terrible uh i just i don't know made me laugh for a second i don't know what's wrong with me um (laughs) <laughs> Amanda, that in the middle of that, I was like, mm, redemption for the people who don't believe right here. <laughs> so, no, I no. knew that was coming. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I don't know. One day I'll talk to a therapist. Probably do it on the podcast, honestly. I need content. So anyway. Be very interesting. <laughs> um, okay, so, well, that's terrible. Uh, but so your mom moved away having never known this happened to you? Yeah, no one ever knew until I might have been like 14 I think whenever I finally told someone, I was in a group home. Uh, whenever I ended up telling someone, finally, okay. something. Well, first of all, three years is a long time, um, and it sounds like this person was babysitting you for your mom's job. So, did you have a lot of proximity to this person? It wasn't just like a couple of times a year thing. I guess is what I'm asking. Oh yeah, um, my mom worked two or three jobs throughout my childhood. Uh, And so I was there like overnight, we would go on like trips out of state trips to like their family for holidays. Um, Yeah, I was there all the time. So can you tell me a little bit about what it's like to have this, these experiences, not tell anybody? First of all, why do you not tell anybody? Is there threats or? Yeah, I think, I don't know if it like just became normal for me. Like, it was just like, oh, this is just what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've blocked a lot of it out, honestly. I, I don't remember a lot of it. Sure. But, um, yeah, I think it just became like a normal. And, I mean, he did say, like, oh, this is just between, like, us. And 
um, it started out as just like minor things and then it escalated. So it wasn't like this huge thing from the very beginning. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, so, so, so when this is happening, there's a lot of, I imagine there's a lot of blocking it out, but how does it come to the surface? Like, well, that's not my first question. My first question is, do you have any context looking back about how it impacted you? I'm assuming it was poorly, but are there ways that you can point to things about your personality or how you saw life or anything like that? Um, I mean, it definitely did not set me up for like good teenage years. Um, I was very rebellious and very, I don't know, like, would sleep around at a very young age. Um, and I think part of that too is like my dad not really being involved in my life that much mm -hmm. probably contributed to that. But um, yeah, and it definitely having like my own daughter now makes me extra cautious and like look at everyone. Um, yeah. You know, I was like a red flag popping up whenever there's not. I would imagine. Well, I would imagine that makes sense. Um, so, okay. So you were kind of hypersexual at a young age. Um, and was that prior? I mean, when does that start for you? At what age do you start doing this on your own? Um, I started having sex at 13, 13. and I was still kind of in and out of group homes at that time. I didn't officially like get out of group homes until I was like right before I turned 16 I think okay. and so uh it was kind of like a little bit there and then once I got out of group homes and was home all the time it was it was pretty bad when does your birth mother become oh god you were in the home when you were told somebody the first time you said about the abuse so your your birth mom's yeah. not in your life no no she is she, she is she is um my mom's always been super involved and tried to do the best that she could with what she knew at the time. And I'm going to tell you about one of the better decisions I made last year. I switched Arden's delivery of her diabetes supplies from where we were getting them to U.S. Med. And U.S. Med is more than edging out the service that we were getting from that previous company. Right from the comfort of your home or office, you can join over 1 million satisfied customers who rely on U.S. Med for courteous, knowledgeable, and trained customer care. And their representatives are going to keep you up to date with your medical and diabetic supplies, all delivered right to your door. USmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514 to get your free benefits check right now. U.S. Med features a litany of things that you're going to love. How about an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau? They accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. They carry everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 3, the Dexcom G6, and a little bird told me the Dexcom G7 coming very soon. They always provide you with 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. Better service and better care is what you're going to get when you go to usmed.com forward slash juice box. On top of all of this, US Med is now dispensing Novolog Insulin Aspart and Humalog Insulin Lispro through their pharmacy benefits. What are you waiting for? 
usmed.com forward slash juicebox 888-721-1514. US Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash. They are the place we got Arden's Omnipod 5s from. US Med provides Arden with her Dexcom supplies. And they're the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. I mean, I guess I could say it again, but are you just already online getting it done? Are you even listening to me anymore? Or have you already called 888-721-1514? Don't like the phone? usmed.com forward slash juicebox. The other day I got an email from usmed and it said, are you, uh, you want some more supplies? Uh, I guess it was time. And I said, yes, I clicked the button and then they just showed up. You want to do it like that? It's pretty damn easy. usmed.com forward slash juicebox. While you're out there on the internet looking for US Med, you should check out touchedbytype1.org. That's all I'm asking you to do. Check out their programs, see what they're up to, and uh, take a look. I just committed to speaking at their next event. Maybe you could be there. Touchedbytype1.org. Um, yeah, she would always visit me and, and bring me stuff. Okay. Whenever I was living in the group homes. Got it. All right. So let's find out how all that fits together. So you were diagnosed when you were 10. Do you remember your symptoms or the day it happened? Yeah, I definitely remember. Uh, like I said, I had like a stomach virus and it just seemed like it never went away. I lost a bunch of weight. I would go to the bathroom all the time. I would drink so much water. I would like wake up in the middle of the night and just be surrounded by like 20 water bottles because mm. um, I was drinking so much. And I would get like these random bouts of like shakiness and my mom would always be like, Oh, just go eat. Like you haven't eaten in a while. And I would eat and I would feel better. Um, and the day I was diagnosed, I don't really remember. Uh, I just know that my mom knew that like one of her friends was working and took me in just to have them look me over. Do you recall if you were in DKA or not? Oh yeah, I was. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So the diagnosis happens and then, what is, do you remember your reaction to the diagnosis? I think at first I didn't really understand what it actually meant because I was in the hospital and my friends got to come and see me and they would bring like board games and we would play. And my, I think it was my grandma bought like sugar-free jelly beans. And uh, I just didn't, which are disgusting. Um, I just didn't know like what it meant. And then once I came home, it sank in more because everyone around me had that mentality of like, oh, are you allowed to eat this now? Okay. So and I think that's when it kind of started like my negative outlook on diabetes. Right away, people were about what are you allowed to have? What are you not allowed to have? And it, oh, it was it constant, constantly. Food. People would ask me that. Are you allowed to have that? Are you allowed to eat this? Can you eat that? Did you have um, any any eating disorders as a child? No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, whenever I started living in like foster care and group homes and stuff, I definitely would hide food uh, like in my room and stuff. But that was more because, it, again, like, are you allowed to eat this? and you didn't want to they would it. restrict food sometimes. And so I just kind of felt like I had to have it. Okay. So uh, can I get a little background about you're saying the diabetes caused your separation from your mom, but how does that happen? Mm -hmm. 
So I trying to think it was around whenever I was 12. I've had diabetes for about a year and a half or so we had moved again and I just kind of stopped taking care of my diabetes. I would lie to my mom and tell her I took my insulin or checked my blood sugar. Um, and I would end up in DKA multiple times and I don't remember how it exactly came about, but the state got involved because I was in the hospital over and over again for the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, they had taken, uh, custody of me and pretty much said that if my mom couldn't take care of me, then I'd have to go into a foster home to get like straightened out where they also wouldn't take care of you. I imagine. But, um, (coughs) so excuse me, I'm sorry. I have bronchitis. Um, I got, I got, um, I forget what they called it. But apparently, uh, you get COVID, and now you get bronchitis afterwards. Again, again like a bonus. So, Ew. yeah, like the diarrhea with the uh, teeth. So if I <laughs> if I talk too quickly or laugh, I'm going to cough. I apologize. Um, no, you're fine. Thanks. So, okay. So you're just stopped taking care of yourself um, mm-hmm. about a year and a half into your diabetes. Do you have context for why you did that? Uh, not, not exactly. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't imagine I, you would, but I just have to ask. I wish, yeah, no, I mean, I wish I understood it more um, myself, but no, not really. I think a lot of it was because of the abuse that I had went through that like stopped suddenly. And then like, you know, no one knew about it, but me, mm-hmm. Um, you know, having to like move to a new school and having this new diagnosis and my dad not being involved. I just, it was just a lot of things. Um, Do you ever remember feeling at all suicidal or anything? Yeah, I had actually a few times throughout like those years had went to like a psychiatric facility because I had attempted suicide. And um, whenever I was in the group home at one point, like I refused to take my insulin. And so they put me in there. And that was after diabetes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so interesting. You said something a minute ago. You said the, the abuse stopped abruptly. I'm assuming because you moved. And mm-hmm. um, and that was a weird thing for you. So do you think that... Oh, God. I hate even asking this question, Amanda. But do you think the abuse felt like attention on some level? Like, did it... Oh, for sure. Okay. For sure. So when it goes away... You've been, I mean, this, this horrible person has indoctrinated you already. So it now feels normal. Like I, I, I really don't want to ask you this, but as a nine-year-old, when you know, you're going to the babysitter in your head, are you like, oh, well, here's what'll probably happen today. And like, if I was like, when I used to go to my grandmother's and I knew she had an Atari, I was like, oh my God, we're going to play space invaders. Like, and were, <laughs> did you have that feeling? Like I, this is how today's going to go. It was like, I don't want to say you were looking forward to it. You understand? But I mean, I'm trying to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I like did know like what was, and it depended on like the day too, because sometimes like we would go to church and so like we wouldn't be at the house. Um, So it would really just depend. But yeah, I think I did come to expect it. I see. And then all of a sudden it's taken from you and there's interactions and people that are now gone from your life. You move into a new place, you get diabetes and then about a year and a half into it, it just sounds like you just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, I think it just became too much. Like, 
I don't know, like subconsciously, I guess, to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like coming out in a way that, you know, wasn't healthy, like me not taking care of my diabetes. Yeah. So once you don't take care of it, you're not giving yourself insulin and they send you to an institution because they think you're trying to hurt yourself. Do you then realize, like, I mean, because it doesn't sound like you were purposefully like, I'm going to stop taking insulin because this will kill me. I don't think you were. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, I think in the back of my mind, I knew like I could die from it, but it wasn't my intention. Right. That's what I mean. So once it's pointed out to you that this is a tool that you could hurt yourself with, does it become more purposeful or is it still just this? I don't care. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely became more purposeful, like in the fact of if I didn't want to go to school, like I knew that if I didn't take my insulin and I was sick, like I didn't have to go and, um, kind of, like I didn't use it in a way to like control anyone, but I definitely knew like how to like, you know, use it and to get what I wanted. Yeah. When when you're in that setting, and this is really what I want to start hearing about, but I, I'm, I'm trying to find out what it was like to be in a group home or to be in foster care. I mean, start with like a high level overview of if I said to you, hey, you were in a group home. What's that like? What, what was it like? Uh, the group homes were definitely harder than being in foster care because it's definitely like a um, institution like you were saying Mm -hmm. but yeah you're just there with usually like if you're a girl you're with girls if you're a boy you're with boys and you have depending on which one you go to you have your own room or you share a room with a bunch of other people and there's just a bunch of rules that you have to follow and there's usually like uh, therapy that you go to Um, all the ones that I went to they had like schools on site so you still went to school like Monday through Friday uh, then yeah, you just like eat meals with everyone like in your home, and there was staff that would like overlook you and was you know, it, they help help you with things. Set up like a barracks, or did you have a room? It so I was in a couple of different ones. Um, two of them that I was in, you had your own like personal room, and then uh, like you couldn't close the door or anything, but you had your own personal room. And then the last one that I was in, it was like an open floor plan where we like all slept in bunks in the same room. Okay. Are you, when you're there, how many people are you with? Uh, there was 20 of us in the first two that I was in. And then in the last one, I think there was only like 12 of us to a cottage. Okay. But it's mixed, right? Like the, the main site, there are boys and girls. The first two I was at, there were mixed. And then the last one I went to, it was only girls. Okay. Do you, when you're there, do you look at the other people and think, uh, losers, I don't belong here. Do you (laughs) look at them and think, Jesus is exactly where I belong. Like, like how is the feeling of being there? Uh, yeah, no, it definitely kind of felt like, what did I get myself into? (laughs) Uh, the first two, and 
I keep saying the first two because they were part of like a children's division. And the last one that I was a part of was the youth division. Okay. So that kind of makes a difference on like why people are there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the first two, it wasn't that bad because I mean, people were there for just like behavioral issues, just, you know, like not listening or not going to school or whatever. Um, so that one wasn't bad, but the last one I went to was really rough because there were people in there for like manslaughter and um, there were people in there for like molesting other people. And that was pretty difficult okay. to yeah. be around. So suddenly you're suddenly you're, I don't, I don't know how old, but not that old. You've been a victim of sexual abuse. You got type one diabetes. You rebelled against it to the point where the state told your mom, Hey, if you can't handle this, then she comes with us. And now you're sitting across from, from Jeannie and Jeannie shanked somebody. Exactly. It, yeah. Okay. Well, that'll make you rethink everything. I would imagine. Um, I want to go backwards for a second and ask you a question. It's going to be hard for you to answer, but why couldn't your mom get a handle on this? Um, I think she tried, but she pretty quickly was like, you're going to do what you're going to do. And I I rebelled against her pretty hard. Um, and we've never been like, we're not like super close or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I was never like, I could just go to her and talk about anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, she tried her best, but I was pretty difficult about it. Uh, How, what does yeah. that mean? She tried her best because I'm also trying to contextualize in my mind her situation, which is she was married to somebody who was a drug addict who left her with a baby. I mean, and you have brothers and sisters, or no? I have an older half sister. We're 11 years All apart. Right. All right. Well, fair enough, though. She's got two kids. She she's abandoned. She's been through her own taxing situation. I mean, I think yeah. You know what I mean? I think at that yeah. I think at that point, like. like she did go through a lot of rough things in her life. Like growing up for her was not easy. Um, Her father was very abusive towards her. Um, And so I I don't want to say like she gave up, but I think she was kind of like, well, it is what it is. Like I've, I've done what I can do. Yeah. Um, Or like I, she would just ask me a lot of times like, Oh, did you take your insulin? And I would tell her yes. And she would just take it for what it was. Um, your your scenario. Yeah, I mean, th- this whole big scenario is it geographically systemic? Like, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, is it? I don't know. Like, I don't know where you live, and I'm not asking you to tell me. But is the my husband's an addict? We kicked him out. People abuse us. Is this a story that's like like if I told you I've known a lot of people in my life, I I don't know anybody who this has happened to. Like, is this a thing that just happens and therefore it's more Um, palatable? I I mean, yeah, I guess it it could be like systemic. Um, I I guess so. I mean, my mom also like had a lot of depression issues back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, I really don't know like what went through like her mind at the time besides my daughter's going to kill herself and I'm going to watch it happen. So hopefully these people will come and help and we'll let the system take over. And I mean, yeah, listen, I don't want to jump to the end, but that was not valuable to you. I imagine being in, in the system. No, Yeah, it was not. Okay. 
So um, were you ever in single like foster care homes? Yes, that's where I started out at. You start, oh, because you were young and cute and that was all like, and the, are those people looking to make families with foster children or are they doing it for money, do you think? No, the one I went to, like they were strictly just doing it like, um, like foster care. They had already adopted, I think four or five kids mm -hmm. and they were older. Some of them still lived in the house and some of them were like old enough to be on their own. Um, so they were literally just doing it for like whatever reason for their own personal reasons. Um, but the one I went to, she had just became like a medically licensed foster care home. Okay. And I was her first type one diabetic. And then while I was there, another girl came and I believe she was also type one diabetic. So she gets herself a medical distinction so that she can bring kids in that have other issues proving she can handle yeah. them. Uh, she yeah. sounds well-intended, although I imagine there's probably a little bump in pay for that, but that's, I'm not going to put that on her. Um, was she helpful or did you just rebel against her? No, I mean, she was, she was nice. Um, she, again, like she just did the best that she could with like the information that she had. It was really the other kids in the home that were kind of rough to be around. It was always like, you don't live here. I do like you're a guest. I never felt like I was fully at home, I guess. How long were you there? Um, ooh, it was like nine months or so. Okay. And that's a long time to not feel welcome. Did anyone bring up church? Yeah. And if they did, were you like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm not doing that again. Oh yeah. yeah. No, it was a requirement for us to go to church every Sunday there. Gotcha. When do you tell somebody, hey, listen, from six to nine, I was abused by my babysitter's husband? Um, I think I was 14. So I was 13 when I went to the foster home. And then um, I had gotten out of the foster home for a little bit because they thought like, oh, I can go back home and like, it'll be fine. And it wasn't fine. Uh, I had gotten into a lot of trouble at school and... Uh, gotten kicked out and then I got arrested and put in juvie and then I went to my first group home I mean I because you're part of my group I know what you look like and you're just such a pleasant person that when you say <laughs> things when you say things like when I got arrested and things like that I'm like really this girl okay um it's yeah, just it's it shocking wild you, you, you don't look like somebody who's gonna Who's going to stick me, sell me meth, and then throw me in front of a train? You know what I mean? Um, no. You just, you just don't. So yeah. tell me tell me a couple of things. Got in trouble. How do you get in trouble? So I was a freshman in high school. I was 14. And I had started um, hanging out with people, which is, like, not their fault. Like, this is all on me. But I had started like smoking weed and drinking a lot. And I had taken uh, vodka in a water bottle to school and got drunk. And um, the next day I got called into the principal's office and I got like expelled from school. And um, for the vodka? Obvious. Yeah. How'd you get caught? <laughs> yeah. I I'm sorry. I know this is not an appropriate question, but how'd you get caught? Uh, I'm pretty sure someone like told on me. Who'd you tell, Amanda? 
Well, I was trying to like be cool and I was like sharing it with people and that was my first mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess my first mistake was bringing it to school in the first place. I have to tell you, I'm stopping myself every five minutes from asking you what part of the Midwest you're from, but um, am I close? Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Okay. All right. Um, It's okay. I'm Uh, sure there are people bringing vodka in Jersey too. I'm just saying. Your story so, just yes. your, yeah your story plays like a Hulu television show. <laughs> it really does. Like like did you watch Shameless and think are you people stealing from me? Like no, I seriously. I'd be I'd be like who is in my house writing this down? Um <laughs> my god. Uh, okay, so you get booted out of school. Is the weed and the cigs and all of that just to be like popular or were you Uh no, I mean I I liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like uh, I was just doing it just because, but really? it was just a way for me to get out of the house and like forget everything. And well, because you the down your downtime when you're in those homes is sitting around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's all these. I mean, they give you like activities, but it's not like fun. Yeah, yeah, not activities that um, I would imagine fill the the uh, the uh, the minds of people who have proclivities like you're finding there like these people are not like oh yeah monopoly they're like we should go kill something or (laughs) have sex with something or smoke something not not see who gets park place i'm imagining um okay so there's just a lot of time you're around people and let's be fair you're one of them right like oh yeah yeah there's somebody telling their story right now that's like oh man i was with this girl who wouldn't take her insulin (laughs) like like Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah so but it doesn't feel like that, right? Like you feel like you don't belong there while it's happening. Or do you? Yeah, be- I mean, I definitely like yeah. wish it would have been different. Yeah, no kidding. Well, um, yeah, obviously, I'm sorry. Um, okay, so it comes out. Does it come out in therapy? Do you tell somebody? You're just like, you know. Yeah, so eventually I make my way into one of the group homes. I think it was the second one I was in. And. We would be like in a bunch of group therapies with all the other residents uh, and people would, you know, talk about the things that they went through and it would be the same thing. And I kind of realized like, oh, that wasn't um, normal. And I had like a staff member that I really trusted and I ended up telling her. Does anything happen to the babysitter's husband? Not that I know of. I kind of purposely like didn't want to know. Um, I looked them up on Facebook at one point and um, th- he had died. And so I, I don't know like exactly when he had passed away, but he, he had died. And so I don't even know like if he was alive whenever well, everything I, happened. I, I'm glad he's dead. And, and however long he lived was too long. So, yeah. Did it give you any comfort to know he was dead? Yeah, kind of. I mean, part of me, like, later on wished I would have told someone sooner because who knows, like, if that happened to someone else. But, yeah, um, yeah like, knowing that it it was over, like, felt good. Mm-hmm. Well, um, did it send you into therapy did they hear this and go oh amanda needs therapy now we've we've learned this about her did they tell your parent your mom yeah so my mom they actually like at the group home we had to have a meeting and they brought my mom in and they told her um 
that was pretty traumatic. Yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, no, they, they ended up telling her. I know you're not that close with her, but has she ever brought it up to you? She apologized. I mean, not that there's an apology to be made, but did she ever say, I apologize? I know I put you there or do you get anything like that Uh, from her? Maybe in the beginning, like when we, like when we first told her, but no, we like do not ever talk about it. Yeah. Um, Trying to decide at what age do you think your life I mean because you're you're married now and you have a baby and you would describe this these things as being in your past yes yeah when does that happen and how does that happen where do you how do you make that transition what what starts you in that direction like you're taking care of your blood sugar like I'm not talking to you right now with like a 15 a1c right oh no no no, no. no my last so, was like five five so oh, good for you <laughs> when, when, when does it start like, what's the thing that gets you moving? Is it your health first? Is um, it, you know, what is it? So I, I was like 17. I had gotten my GED, dropped out of school. I was still kind of just like, you know, doing whatever. Wasn't taking like the best care of myself. Um, but I moved out of my mom's house and moved in with my best friend. And I, I think like reality just kind of hit me. It was like, oh, if I don't take care of myself like I can't work I can't pay bills um it was within like the first few months of moving in with my best friend is when I met my husband and I remember I had like not taken my insulin and I was going into DKA and he came over to like hang out and I was on the couch just dying and he was like are you okay like you do not look good and he was just like you know so concerned and I mean, I hate to say like he gave me something to live for. <laughs> That's so cheesy. Um, but he definitely like made me realize like, oh, like there could be more to live for. Like it doesn't have to always be like this. Right. You know, I can straighten up and like have a life. So a person that was concerned for you and was there was enough for you to feel like, oh, I should probably help myself. Yeah, yeah. And I think like it was a mixture of that and like just realizing, oh, I, I cannot live on my own if I don't like take care of myself and get a job and I can't have a job if I'm constantly like throwing up and feeling like crap. How old are you at that point um, when you meet him? Uh seventeen. And you're living with a friend at that point. Yeah. Something over the park. 20th floor. I'm just kidding, Amanda. What, what? <laughs> no. Oh gosh, no. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> View, view view of the lake? Anything? Uh, I'm trying to imagine where 17-year-old and her friend end up living. Not good? Oh, it wasn't like any... Yeah, no, it was not anything special. It was very shady. And mm-hmm. um, and, and it did take a f- few years. Like, you know, it's like I started taking care of my blood sugar, but I still was partying and, you know, doing all the things okay. for a few more years help, until I, like, chilled out. Help me there, Amanda. Partying and all the things. We alcohol other drugs yeah i mean like it was mainly weed and alcohol and uh you know you take like a pill here take a snort of this here it wasn't ever um look at you getting demure on me coke (laughs) uh Uh, adderall no no yeah 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 adderall xanax um Mm -hmm. 
okay so you're doing i mean it's yeah and it's hard for me to like tell because like sometimes it would just be like oh like take this and it's like okay um, <laughs> you're not sure what you're very irresponsible so, so you're taking all this stuff you couldn't take your insulin yeah it's it's funny right well no but why <laughs> laying on the sofa that day feeling that terrible what stops you from just going maybe i'll just give myself a couple units were you doing basil you must have been doing basil and not covering meals right yeah i think i think it just took me a while to get out of like not taking care of myself because I had done it for so long. Like I didn't remember how to carb count. Like I didn't remember how to do like a correction factor. Um, None of that. And so I think it just slowly took a while because once I kind of like realized, Oh, I need to like straighten myself up. Mm -hmm. My A1C was like probably in the twelves or thirteens. And it took until I was probably 22 ish to get it down into the sixes sevens five years um yeah i mean it was like a very slow like i remember going to my endocrinologist and it would be you know 11.5 and then it would be like 10.5 and then it would be 9.7 like it was just a very slow decline so when you were younger did you not know how to take care of yourself or were you not you knew and you weren't doing it and then you forgot along the way yeah i definitely knew um, how to, I just wasn't doing it. It was definitely old school. Um, you know, I was on like syringes and I'd have to eat like, I don't know, 45 grams of carbs for this meal and 60 for this meal. Right. But I definitely knew like how to do it. I just was choosing not to. And I'm talking to you, you're a bright person. So you weren't overmatched by it. You did not understand it. Right. No, no, definitely not. Was your, was your mom overmatched by it? Uh, no, I mean, she was pretty always like, I don't care what you eat as long as you take insulin for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do wonder if like her experience in healthcare kind of gave her like a jaded look towards it because she had seen so many people come in, yeah. um, like not taking care of it. So I don't know if she kind of expected it or just was like, like I said earlier, like it is what it is or what about in the foster care system? Was your care being monitored by anybody there ever? Were you ever like suddenly have like a seven A one C because somebody was paying attention or did ever? Everybody- uh, I don't know if it ever got that low, but it definitely like my control was better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the foster mom, like she was the one that like oversaw everything and, you would have to like come down and she would have to watch you give the injections and she would keep like the insulin um, locked away. I think at that point I was on pins. Um, So yeah, she definitely watched everything. I did end up having a seizure uh, at her house from a low blood sugar, but that was the only thing that ever really happened. Was that a loving situation in any way or was she just a, an overseer? Yeah, she was nice, you know, and she she was pretty understanding, but um, she had also, you know, already seen a bunch of, like, foster kids and stuff like that, so she didn't take any crap, mm-hmm. for sure. And she kind of knew, like, if you were being fake or... Yeah. So, you said earlier that all this came from your diabetes, but mm-hmm. I'm going to wonder while we're talking and I'm going to wonder after we're done talking, 
how much of this isn't really the abuse and then the unluckiness of running into the diabetes. Like if this wouldn't have just been something else, 10, 11, 12, yeah. 13 years old, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like if you didn't just need any tiny little tip to just run in that direction, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do something unfair. You don't have to answer me if you don't want to. Your dad, okay. your mom, and your abuser. Whose fault mm-hmm. is this? What happened to you? And you. I'm going to put you. I'm putting you in there too, right? Do, do, who do you see is at fault? Uh, it's kind of. I don't want to say like it's like completely on anyone. I mean, I guess if if I had to choose one, it would be like the abuser. Yeah. But it cascades, um, though, right? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like my. I mean, second runner-up is my dad. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, so your father doesn't do his job, right? He doesn't do the thing he promised. He doesn't do the thing he needs to do. Put your mom in a bad position. Your mom mm-hmm. is having her own crisis. Her life is falling apart. Was your mom using too or just your dad? Just my dad. Your mom's life's falling apart. She's stuck putting you in care. She does the best she can. I mean, she goes to a church to find somebody to put you in with. Boom. Now you're being, I mean, we're not saying it out loud, but you're you're being raped for three years by by an adult Mm -hmm. um you know then you get out of that situation and before you can even come up for air you have diabetes yeah 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 i don't think you had much of a chance amanda (laughs) like you would have to be uh i don't even know what situation like i don't know what you needed like do you know what i mean like in that scenario i'm trying to think of what could have been added to your life to stop any of this and it it's sad but i don't see i don't see like a simple answer you know yeah i was just dealt an unlucky hand you needed some adult to do the right thing you that's what yeah. you needed. you need an adult to look at you and go there's a kid they need stuff i will be the person to facilitate that stuff for them show them comfort and con- you know care and 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 make the decisions for them that children are not able to make. People just let you down the whole way. And then you get into a system that lets you down. I mean, I mean, with the exception of a foster care mom who did what you explained, you're not you're never in a good scenario. Were you abused inside the system at all? No. 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 Not that it doesn't happen. Uh, it but does it definitely happen, happen but no. When you start becoming sexually active inside of the system, is with is it with other children inside of the system? Um, it was never like in the system. Definitely like in foster care, I was. But um, otherwise, like it would just be whenever I would get out on. Um, they call them furloughs, and it would just be like weekends or mm-hmm. you know four or five days at a time that you could go home. So, so is. Like, I don't know, is 14-year-old Amanda getting a day off and thinking, I'm going to go find some cigarettes and some vodka and have sex? Is it? Uh, definitely not. No? I think whenever I ended up losing my virginity, uh, I was, like, on, like, one of those furloughs at home. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I want to say I was about to turn 14, if I remember correctly. And it was like two weeks away or so. And it was by an 18 year old and he had kind of already groomed me from a younger age. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of already like, I, I didn't have like an issue with it, but I kind of knew it was going to happen. Okay. You expected it to come. I, I, I'm so sorry. I'm going to ask you something that I feel bad about asking, but 
lost your virginity, are you saying that as that was the first time you had intercourse or the first time you did it willingly? Like willingly. Okay. All right. That's what I thought. I just wanted to be sure. Um, I got to tell you, Amanda, like 10 years ago, I thought, I'm going to start a podcast about diabetes. And now... I'm like, I'm in a situation where I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing a good job at this or not, but am I okay so far? Are you all right? Yeah. No, you're doing great. Am I? Doing great. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm being abused, but not much. I'm just like, I don't know what I, everything I think to say, I'm like, I think that's what people would want to know. Um, yeah. And it's been so long for me that it's definitely not. Well, you're so chill like about it. I'm. I, you're freaking me out, to be perfectly honest. Like, did you go to therapy yeah, no. or are you high right was, now? Why are you so calm? no uh no I definitely like had some therapy probably not as much as I should have but I did have some um but I mean it was so long ago for me and like I said I blocked so much of it out that I'm just in this spot like I can't I can't and I don't let it get to me like I just have too much other stuff well you know I have a a full-time job I have a husband I have a child like it's just it is what it is. Like it happened and it like really, really, really sucks. But like, I mean, it, it's You're done with. And... And you gotta live. Right. So yeah. Well, I'm going to get, I want to move forward with you um, for sure in a in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to make sure I understand the, tr- the transition again. So you, you meet, by the way, is there any chance that your husband is a handsome car thief? Oh God. No, no. That would have been great. And if people don't watch Shameless, then they don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, so, oh, God, no. Which part did you say, oh, God, to? You know, he's going to hear this. Was it the car thief part or the handsome part that you're like, oh, no, 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 no. The car thief. Uh, Okay, that's what I thought. All right, I'm sticking up for him a little bit. So he comes into your life. He gives you some stability, something to shoot for. You basically have to reteach yourself diabetes as an adult. You don't have any cho- uh, money, I'm imagining. So are you still, what are you using to manage at 17 years old, which is now 10 years ago, 2012? Like uh, device-wise? Yes. Uh, I was still doing pins and just finger pricking. Okay. And so how do you get better at it? I mean, I'm assuming first step is deciding to get better at it, right? Yeah, I think I started like taking, I was on Lantus at the time. I was taking my Lantus every night. And obviously that helped tremendously just having um, like the basil. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, I just started like taking, trying to take insulin as I was eating. It wasn't until I was, Oh, 20 or so that I found out what a pre-bolus was. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever I really got my A1C down. It was like low seven sixes oh, great. Um, when I started doing pre-bolusing. About seven years ago, you figured that part out. Yeah. Do you have a CGM at this point? No, I didn't get, I didn't get a pump until I was mm, 22. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't start wearing a CGM until maybe three years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So you haven't had, are you automating now or are you still making decisions? Like, uh, no, I mean, I'm on the T slim with the control IQ. So very cool. And G six. You've come a long way. Um, does the boyfriend back then learn about diabetes with you or do you keep it to yourself? 
I pretty much kept it to myself. I mean, he kind of saw in the background what I was doing. Um, and he would ask me sometimes like, Oh, are you low? Like, do I need to get you something? Or, um, you know, he'll, he'd ask me like, you know, do you need this to eat? Or he, he kind of saw in the background what was going on, but Mm -hmm. I never really like taught him. Okay. He was just kind of picking up by being around you. Yeah. Like if I needed later on, like when I got like my pump supplies and stuff, like if I needed to change it, like he would know what to grab to change it. Amanda, how do you decide using your husband back, but then your boyfriend, how do you decide this guy isn't using me? Like, How do you make that leap after the 18 year old grooms a 14 year old you after you're abused as a child, as you've gone through a system where, I mean, it has to occur to you while you're a kid, like there are people just watching me for the dollars, right? Like just to get paid. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how do you make that leap to this is a real person who cares about me and I can believe that. Well, it definitely took a couple of years. We, uh, we were just like kind of friends for the first year or so that we knew each other. Um, but yeah, I think it was just like the way that he acted towards me, you know, like you just randomly bring me a soda or he would, you know, ask if I wanted to go to the movies or we would just like ride around in his car and just talk. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never anything like attached to it. He didn't ask for anything. Yeah. You never felt like the time you spent with him, you had to pay for somehow. Yeah. It was always just very easygoing and free. Okay. When do you tell him, I mean, I mean, obviously, first of all, you're not at Juilliard sitting around in the hall playing piano, but so I'm assuming he was doing some of the pills and stuff that we're talking about as well. Yeah. 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 So, so, but when do you tell him I've been abused? Um, does he know as a friend? For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long, long time. So, Like, I think we were already married. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, that was like, that was really hard. Yeah, sure. Did you feel like if I tell him that he'll leave me? No, I kind of felt like, not necessarily leave me, but like, would he look at me differently? Mm-hmm. Do you tell, do, like, as a matter of course, now, do your close friends all know this about you? No, not really. No. Um, I've told like one person, like my best friend, the one that I lived with. And then um, actually like some of my coworkers, because I was talking to them about coming on to the podcast. Really? And yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of talked about it a little bit. When, um, why, not when, why did you want to do this? I mean, I just, I just think it's kind of important for people to understand that, you know, when a young kid or teenager is not taking care of their diabetes, it, you know, there's, there's something else. It's not just oh, I'm just not going to do this one day. Like there's something else going on. And um, definitely like being in the group homes, I just feel like there should be more awareness towards that and how difficult that can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just never really heard anyone talk about it before. Yeah, I'm I, like, I have to be honest. I don't know how long ago it was now. It's probably three or four years ago. 
where someone said to me, can you have someone on the show who drinks a lot and has type one? And I was like, I mean, I guess so. You you know, so (laughs) do you think people are like, could this guy put some effort into this podcast? There's a lot of effort that goes into it. I just, I don't (laughs) always like, I was like, all right, they want to hear from a person who was like a real, like, not just a casual drinker, right? But somebody who was drinking a lot and frequently and, you know, I think what people wanted to hear was there must be a way to manage it. And then you get the person on, they're like, tell you what they do, but it's not like hard and fast rules. You know what I mean? It's, it's more like, mm-hmm. oh, this is how I got through it. And then I record the show and I think, well, this is like, my show has a clean rating, which means I don't curse. Right. And if I curse, it gets bleeped out. And as odd as it is to me, I have a fairly heavy um, following of people who, my wife and I were talking about the other day. I'm like, do you know how many religious, like really religious minded people listen to the podcast? And she's like, it's a lot, right? And I was like, it is. And so I think I need to tell them, and I can't believe this is how it occurred to me, but I'm like, I think I need to tell them there's going to be a lot of talk about stuff they don't usually hear in the podcast. And I end up calling that episode After Dark just for that reason. Not because I think if you're a drinker, it's something that should be hidden. I just thought, Mm -hmm. well, these are things that don't get talked about a lot. I need to mark this episode so people can skip it if they want to. It's really how it started. And then somebody said, well, can you get somebody on that smokes a lot of weed? And then it, it it just kept building from there. And the first time that somebody emailed me to say, like, I have bipolar disorder and I want to talk about it. Or, I mean, you're not even the first person that was raped by your babysitter, Amanda. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm stunned by that. You, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't think... I was going to have conversations like this. Um, And every time I get done recording, I think how grateful I am that somebody like you has the balls and somehow the mental fortitude to tell a story like this and the desire to share it with somebody else. I feel like I'm glad somebody else is going to hear this. Um, But what allows you to do it is lost on me. I, I, if 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 I had your story and I heard someone say I'm looking for more people to tell stories like this, I think, oh, I have that story, but I'm not doing that. And I I don't know. I just it's a very kind thing you're doing today. Thank you. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> I'd actually like wanted to reach out for a long time about it, and then uh, that night I saw your post on the Facebook group, and I was like, oh well, here's my chance. <laughs> How does that feel, by the way, when the when the the uh, the sign goes up that basically says, "Do you have a really fucked up life? Could you come on a podcast?" <laughs> like, and you go, "Oh, fucked up life? Yes, that's me. I'm here." Like, is that a is that a is that a bad feeling, or is it? Did you feel like, "Well, I could help somebody"? Yeah, I think it's more of it. I can help somebody, and I'm just at like such a good part in my life right now that all of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Right. Um, like, like you said, like you would never know. Like I was telling the people at work about this and they're like, are you lying right now? Like, there's no way that this happened to you. And I was like, no, like really this all happened. Um, mm. I'm just really good at not showing it. Are, do you feel steady as we're doing this? Or are you going to go like smoke your baby when this is over or something like that? Like, are you oh, like, are you okay? You know what I mean? <laughs> like roll up anything that looks dry. Or, or are you, are you no. okay? You're okay, right? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. That's fascinating, Amanda. It really is. It's very cool. But it's fascinating that you're not Mm -hmm. wavering. I mean, I've talked to people in all, I mean, if there's a spectrum of, of, 
confidence and togetherness. I've spoken to people who, I mean, you, you've heard a lot of the after darks, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. There are people while I'm talking to them that you're thinking like this person's not okay. You've ever had Mm -hmm. that feeling like it, right? You don't feel like that at all. No, not, not at this point in my life. I don't, I mean, like I said before, like it really just, it, it happened and I can recognize that it happened, but I've just got so much other stuff in my life now that it just, it doesn't matter. Are you an anxious person? Do you have depression? Anything that I'm missing? Uh, No, I definitely have a lot of anxiety um, and having a a baby definitely heightened that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't say I have like depression. I have my days, but definitely a lot of anxiety. Listen, everyone has... I got to be honest with you, I was sitting in the urgent care yesterday, Amanda, and I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I felt so spoiled yesterday. Like, seriously, like I had to access to good health care, and I still was like, this is ruining my day. I actually sat there thinking, like, what a waste. I don't <sighs> get that many Sundays off. And I'm sitting here at this freaking urgent care. I already know what's wrong with me. I like it. When the doctor came in, I was like, just give me a steroid pack and some antibiotics. I know we, trust me. You know, and then an x-ray and a blood test and 73 things later, she comes back in the room. She goes, you know, we're going to give you a steroid pack and some antibiotics. And I was like, oh, (laughs) fascinating. She goes, how did you know that? I was like, I don't know. I've got a cough that won't go away. I've been alive for 50 years. Like, I clearly have something viral, you know, um, or or, excuse me, like there's germs in there. You got to kill my germs. Like, get them in there. Um, But anyway, like, my point is is that... (sighs) I guess that it just, that it felt like a burden. Like, I mean, I wasn't like, don't get me wrong. Like I wasn't huddled in the corner, but I still was pissed. Like somebody had taken mm-hmm. these couple of hours from me and, and I was pissed about it. And you, you lost gaps of your life. Like you, I mean, honestly, the last, how long did you say your blood sugar has been down? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to pump it 22. Yeah, I mean, it's been like 10 or seven to eight ish years that I've had it but you, you know, you going make, down. You could make an argument that the last seven or eight years are really the only years of your life that have been yours the way you want them so far. You know what I mean? No, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Does everything feel new to you? Like, like the possibilities feel endless? You don't feel trapped or worried about? I mean, you're okay, right? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I mean, it took a long time to like get to where I'm at, but, um, no, I, I feel good. And some things, you know, I hear people talk about like their childhood or like being in high school and I'm, I just can't relate to that. So that's a little difficult sometimes, but yeah. other than that, it's, it's good. Listen, you're not, if you were telling me right now, like Scott, listen. Once in a while, I get stressed out. I go out back and I kill squirrels. Uh, I'd be like, "Yeah, I get it," you, you know. Like, but um, you're just like, "That's ah, good." Had a baby, everything's fine. Told how did the hu- I gotta ask you though? You tell the husband about your life. He, what's his reaction? Well, he also has had a pretty rough life, um, up until we met, and so he was just kind of like, "Oh, let's add more crazy to the crazy." <laughs> Um, cause yeah, he had a pretty rough childhood also. Gotcha. So, so you, you didn't say anything to him that he was like, oh gosh, oh goodness me. 
yeah, yeah no yeah. he was just like okay well here's my stuff and we're like yeah. all right i grew up here too i know what happens yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> really something do you do you still live where you grew up uh i live uh near it yeah mm-hmm. do you ever think of about 45 minutes away do you ever feel like you want to leave there's times that I, I would like to move away, not for like those reasons, just Different uh, stuff. for for other other things. Okay. What am I not asking you that I should be asking you? Um, I really don't know. I'm off center today, meaning like these conversations are. Um, I'm always pretty sure I'm doing a bad job while I'm having them, so. Um, oh no! I'm just worried that I that I didn't say so. Have I been insensitive at any point so far? No, not at all. Oh, good. No, excellent. Um, <laughs> it's a weird thing to pick through. It it really is. Um, yeah. You heard the one where the uh, the girl came on and talked about how her mother was, um complicit in her father's abuse of her have you heard that one yes were you yes to, that was a really rough one i was gonna say were you able to listen to that it was yeah i listened to it um it was pretty rough to listen to though yeah it's terrible actually um I, it still comes up i i i want to tell you that i i really enjoy making the podcast but i make it a lot and so it blurs together to me most of the time but mm-hmm. but her episode just like sticks in my head um yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen, you're amazing. I hope somebody tells you that every day or you have a T-shirt that says <laughs> it or it's written on the wall somewhere. Or do you? I would write it right on the refrigerator to mark. It. Like, I no, I, it's OK. Yeah. I know that I am. Yeah, I'm fucking amazing. Right on the Frigidaire. I'd circle it. Exactly. People tried to rub it off. I'd be like, that stays there. I need that. <laughs> somebody better be telling me every day. Um, what are your goals? You said you had a baby daughter. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. So everything, I mean, everything I experienced growing up informs how I raised my kids, right? And All nothing right. nearly as bad as what happened to you happened to me. I mean, I had my ass kicked a little bit by my dad, but, you know, like there was actually a moment when you when you were talking about how your mom couldn't get it together. And I thought, oh, I would have like found my head in a wall i would have been like oh boys yeah. sorry uh but um not not that i'm saying that was a good thing but 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 my my upbringing we were broke people weren't particularly kind or around a lot and i saw how that hurt my mom and that made me want mm-hmm. to be around and want to be kind and some people have the exact opposite reaction some people are around horror and they just they give out more horror and so mm-hmm. you were around it. You're you've I mean you've made an incredible journey to get out of it. And now this is this opportunity is before you, right? There's a guy that loves you, you love him, you made a baby, there's a lot of love here. Everybody's dealing very well with what happened in the past. You're you're healthily moving forward. What are your goals like for the next 10 years? Like what are you trying to do? Uh just be better than what was done with me um i just really want like my kids to know that i'm always here and 
I'm never going to turn them away for anything and just be like a happier home. And I always wanted to have like the home that, you know, my kids bring their friends to because it's so nice to be here and um, definitely like love my career and want to be able to stay in that and, and advance in that as I want to. And um, yeah, just, just be better, I guess. You know, Amanda, my mom, my wife talks about that all the time, even now that our kids are older. I want the house to be somewhere where the kids want to bring their friends. Mm-hmm. And then when their friends get here, they're comfortable. And Arden's in her first, well, gosh, she's got four more days of her first semester of college. And they're already talking about, the girls are already talking about coming home, like her friends, um, you know, when are we going to get together? What are we going to do? We're all going to go out to dinner. Then we'll come to your house. Even right before they left for school, all of them, they kept, they kept coming here. And, um, that's just, that's a, it's a great goal and it's very doable. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure you'll be able to do that. Um, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? That you can, that you'll be able to break such a terrible circle in just one generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's all I want is to just show better and do better. Why is that what you want? Why aren't you? Why aren't you high or running away or abusing people? Like, why aren't you doing those things? Um. Well, I mean, as much as like the group homes, like, didn't benefit me that much. Like, it did make me see like how bad it can get with people Mm -hmm. um you know and I don't I don't want to put that onto like my child in any way um but yeah I just part of me almost wants to like make up for lost time like I never you know had that great family atmosphere you know I never like I said I, I didn't really go to high school um I just I want to see like my kids do that and and see like what life can you know actually be like have you ever felt regret for not pulling it together and being with your mom i used to a lot um that used to be a a big thing for me but now whenever i had my daughter we kind of got closer we're not like still the closest but we are closer um so okay do you think when you say you're not the closest is it because you grew up not around her is it because you blame her do you think it's because she blames herself no i don't blame her at all i i think it was just us not being around each other like it was very awkward whenever we were and that was one of the reasons that i moved out whenever i was 17 was um it was just really awkward and we didn't know like how to interact and mm-hmm. just, you know, obviously like I was a teenager, just wasn't getting along with my mom either. Yeah. Um, Your dad ever come so. back? Uh, I, you know, I talk to him every once in a while and I see him like once a year for Christmas, but uh, not, not really. No. Is it, is that that situation where he's an older man now and you, and he regrets his life or yeah, I mean, I I don't really talk to him about it, but I I can imagine that he, you know, 
didn't really take care of himself like between the drugs and drinking like he has arthritis really bad and he ended up losing all of his teeth and he you know never like saved up any money so now he's oh i think he's like in his 60s and you know doesn't have anything to show for his life yeah yeah that's depressing as hell okay um (laughs) geez amanda you're a party huh uh i know meth teeth by the way on dad (laughs) what's that meth teeth did we lose the we're just bad hygiene you assume so i mean I'm close with my aunts that I am. That's like one thing I can say is I'm really close to them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have had their teeth taken out too. I, I think like there's like just really bad gum disease on that side. And then I'm sure if you throw in like hygiene and using drugs, it doesn't help. Yeah. Not being able to visit doctors or having the, Hey, listen, brush and floss, Amanda. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Really get in there with those rubber picks. And like, you know what I mean? Like really, really get it. Do you use the picks? Do you use them? Squeaky clean. No, I actually use like a water flosser for the most part. Oh, fancy you. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, show off. Yes. <laughs> it was recommended. I, I want one. I'm too cheap to buy it. There, that's some honesty. I've always thought this would be way better. Oh, so much money. And um, I don't know what's wrong with me. All right. Amanda, this has been a lot. Are you okay? Oh, I'm great. You, are you gonna? Are let you your, okay? I don't know. I got the the bronchitis, uh, but I feel weird. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not a person who's ever gonna complain around you, Amanda. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh like, gosh. I would imagine when people no, complain no. around you, you're like, oh, shut up. <laughs> 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 Seriously, how um, do you think all this perspective? is is something you draw on day to day um yeah i because i work in healthcare and so i see a bunch of things that definitely like like i've had experience in so for sure okay i mean you're 27 you've you've got a story of like a you know like you're 50 or 60 you've Mm. been you've been through more than anyone's fair share a couple of times over already. Yeah. 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 Uh, you're really something. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that you did this and, and I, I don't know how to thank you obviously. Um, but this was wonderful. Did we do anything or say anything that you're now like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or do you feel okay? No, I feel fine. Yeah. I think like I, I knew what was, what yeah. I was coming on for and I'd already kind of prepared myself. So, well, this is great. Let's put this out at Christmas. <laughs> man do you spread such, the cheer oh my god yeah like uh, you, don't you think i should you should, I should throw this one right out a couple of days before the holidays <laughs> so people can feel freaking grateful amanda <laughs> they can be like oh <laughs> i was gonna complain but then i realized that none of the stuff that happened to amanda has ever happened to me so i'm just gonna shut my mouth and move forward and smile mm-hmm. yeah, give, give them something real to complain about yeah no kidding um <laughs> I'm going to let you go because I'm, I don't know what else to say. I just want to make sure that you've said everything you wanted to say. Yeah, no, definitely. I just wanted to come on and, you know, I, I see like a lot of parents kind of say sometimes like, Oh, my kids are belling and this and that. And it's not always like a black and white situation. And there's other things that can be going on and it's important to figure that out. 
Oh, Amanda, you've definitely helped and freaked out a lot of parents today. <laughs> no, no doubt. No doubt there are, pe- there are people listening right now who are like, oh, great. Oh, great. Okay. Oh, it's good. Okay. <laughs> this was I mean, it doesn't have to be to like that extreme. No, no. But... Your story is obviously, um, I mean, honestly, it. I joked about it in the beginning, but your your life was at one point so ridiculous that it feels like somebody made it up mm-hmm. you know it does yeah it really does it really feels like did you ever have that moment that people talk about where you're like am i remembering this right all the time all the time okay i mean i, I still like there's some times where i think about it and i'm like did that actually happen to me and i don't think it was until i was older and I was out of that situation that I realized how traumatic everything that happened to me was. Oh, I mean, no kidding. Like I can't remember anything from the time I was six to I was nine. Like if like I'm, I'm sitting here right now thinking I don't, I don't have any recollection of anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like you you can remember moments or flashes, but like, you know, I'm sure I had a great day when I was eight. I don't know it. I'm sure I had a terrible day when I was nine. I don't know it. So, Mm -hmm. That, that that even seems like torture. That I, yeah. you know what I mean? That idea of like, did this really happen to me? It did. It, it just, yeah. Oh. oh, listen, Amanda, if I could grant a reset to somebody or a do-over, I would give it to you. I think you deserve it. Oh, thank you so yeah, much. No kidding. I appreciate you doing this very much. Uh, would you hold on yeah. for one second for me? Definitely. Thanks. First, I'd like to thank Amanda for being on the show and sharing so openly and honestly. Of course, I want to thank US Med and remind you to go to usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514 to get your free benefits check and get started today. If you're looking for that Dexcom G7, you know where to look at US Med. Thanks also to touchedbytype1.org. Head over and check them out. And don't forget to follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Touched by Type 1. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.